What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and I'm recording this from the Katie Cave which looks suspiciously like an apartment with a bunch of dog toys on the ground. Since we're all stuck in self-isolation mode, I thought I'd bring a bit of nature to you, put it right in your ear holes. Let's take a look at what the animals are up to right now. That's right, we're going to talk about some goat invader, macaque riots, and what pandas are up to with some added privacy. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, when you let penguins take over an aquarium, what's next? The world? So, I don't think it's constructive or accurate to celebrate the, quote, return of nature during a pandemic. Not only is it insensitive to the human suffering in the wake of COVID, it's lacking in nuance. It also pits humans against nature in a way that I think is unnecessary. I've seen tweets claiming that nature has just hit the reset button or that it turns out we're the virus, which seems to imply that climate change and ecological destruction is the fault of your average everyday human. The truth is, humans and nature have lived together for hundreds of thousands of years. It's true that mankind has had a huge impact on the natural world, especially recently. Since 1970, wildlife populations have decreased by 60%. That's a massive acceleration just in the past 50 years due to increased deforestation, industry, and fossil fuel emissions. But cutting back on our destructive habits doesn't mean we should view things as humans versus nature, or that our existence and nature are mutually exclusive. And indeed, blaming the state of the environment on the average person, especially the most vulnerable among us who will be the most impacted by the virus, doesn't make much sense, 
and ignores the huge institutional problems that are really driving ecological destruction. But beyond that, it's oversimplifying a complex situation. To say a pandemic is good for nature is generalizing an issue that has many unknown or rapidly unfolding consequences. What we do know is that a reduction in some types of human activity, such as traffic and emissions made by factories, can be good for the environment. But that's something that can be accomplished without the deadly threat of a virus. So today we'll be checking in on some of our animal friends to see how they're coping with the strangeness of the pandemic, and I'll also be debunking some viral stories. Spoilers, I'm happy to say that a cute story about kittens is true, and I'll tell it to you near the end of the show. Joining me today to check in on the animals is casting director, producer, writer, and host of so many podcasts and overall talented gal, Drew Jones. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. So we are recording this remotely. You are in your your little station. I'm in mine. Uh, how, how are you doing? I'm good. I don't think my cat wants me in my house anymore. But other than that, <laughs> we're great. <laughs> Yeah, that's so interesting. I've I've heard other friends of mine who have cats talk about how their cat is starting to get tired of their presence and wondering when they're going to leave. Has your cat been sending you subtle signals that they're tired of seeing you? She, yeah, she'll. Her name's Dolly after Dolly Parton. Oh, <laughs> why not? And she used to be so cuddly, but now she'll wait till I'm in like a deep sleep or doing something unproductive. And she'll like nip at my foot or, (laughs) you know, she'll sit like directly on my face. So I suffocate like she's just right. Yeah. Passive aggression, (laughs) passive aggression. Yeah. Uh, My my dog has learned that I can't leave. So she has realized there's no incentive for her to be good anymore because I'm a hostage so she's just run completely wild because she she's like, well, what are you going to do? You you're, you can't leave me like you're stuck here. So she's, you know, she's actually she's done the same thing, like sat on my face in the morning. It seems to be a phenomenon where like pets are now sitting on our faces. Maybe they're like misinterpreting the news about you're supposed to wear a face mask. <laughs> so they think it's like a face ass, like put their butts on our faces and that's going to protect us. Yeah, I don't think I realized how smart she was until I was stuck with her 24 hours a day, seven days a week. (laughs) How devious. Yeah, exactly. So I want to talk about some stories that have kind of gone viral that actually, I think, oversimplify this issue. So as people are quarantining and people are avoiding large crowds and staying home, obviously that's going to impact our urban environment, especially ones that we share with animals. On the other hand, news stories seem to be oversimplifying it, saying basically like, oh, nature has returned. And so here's a story, for example, You may have heard that due to the quarantine, the Venice canals have become sparkling clean, swans have returned, and dolphins have made their way up to the canals, like nature has completely reclaimed the Venice canals. But the truth is actually a lot more complex. Have you heard the story, Drew? Yeah, I actually, um, I went to Venice a couple years ago, and so I've, I've been to the canal and everything, and I saw pictures of it recently, and it's just so crazy how clear everything is because I remember I lost my I dropped my phone in it and we couldn't even I mean two seconds in the water it was gone 
So it's in right. it's, you know, as clear as it is. Yeah. And actually, so that's the one true thing about this story, that the water is actually clearer. And the reason is really simple. It's just that without the boat traffic, it isn't disturbing the surface of the water that much. So the silt that is in the canals has settled to the bottom. So that's why they've cleared up. It's It's not like the water has like pollution is over and so the water has like returned to normal it's it's simply just there's less traffic in it so all that silt and, and stuff that like clouds the water has sunk to the bottom and so yeah they are actually very clear but another story is that swans and dolphins have returned to the canals and well let's look at the the swan story first so swans have been spotted in the canals but this isn't actually new. This isn't like a new thing that has happened because people are sheltering at home. There's a viral tweet with like over a million likes that claims that swans have finally returned to the canals. But uh, this was a picture of uh, Burano, which is a small island in Venice. And swans are actually a regular feature of this area. When, when you visited, were you able to visit Burano? I was really in Venice for just a day, so I didn't get to, but I mean, I've, I've seen like photos of it before. Yeah, and, and swans are like a regular feature there. And have you ever encountered a swan before? Yeah, I actually have a really like, I was attacked by a swan when I was like four. <laughs> oh, I no. deep fear of them. <laughs> they are not as cute as they seem. No, no. In fact, that's what I'm going to talk about. I'm sorry you were attacked. Actually, my mom was as well. She was chased by a swan and just like was running, screaming away from it. And she felt really silly. But yeah, they, they are, they can be very aggressive. And if you've met a swan, you know that they're not going to be intimidated by some boats. Like there's actually a story of a swan attacking a man's boat and capsizing it and the man actually drowned and it's just they are not they look very graceful and delicate and like they would you know like this sign of of gentle nature returning but really they're they'll defend themselves with a lot of ferocity (laughs) and the reason they're so aggressive isn't because they're a-holes they will very violently defend their nesting areas because they have to, like if they want to keep their eggs and their chicks safe, they have to be very aggressive. And so that's their technique to keep people away. But sometimes that involves chasing four-year-olds around. Yeah, in all fairness to them, I do think I was not somewhere I was supposed to be, but. (laughs) Yeah, if you ever see baby swans or a swan's nest, yeah, don't, don't go up to it because you, like, Behind those adorable babies or those eggs is going to be a real angry swan, going to give you a piece of its mind. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen like a photo of them with their mouth open, like mid-action, but it's it's actually terrifying. Like if you yeah, yeah, they have spines in their mouth, and this is actually a feature of a lot of waterfowl. So uh, aquatic birds have those spines in the lining of their mouths or on their tongues, and it's to help them basically hook fish and prey in their mouths puffins have a a ton of spines in their mouths they're really good fishers but it's really funny because it's these typically very graceful animals like like a swan or these really cute birds like a puffin and then they open their mouths and it's this 
horror show of Spike. <laughs> so the other story about the canals is that dolphins have returned, but that's actually not true. So they haven't made their way up the Venice canals and sort of like leapt majestically through the air. And uh, But there is an image of a dolphin in what looks like a canal, but this is actually a port in Sardinia at the port of Cal Caligari in Italy. And that's like you know, hundreds of miles away from the Venice canals. And it's so there may be some more dolphin activity closer to some ports due to decreased boat traffic. But you know, dolphins are still often found near ports and bays. And it, it's it, this again is not necessarily a new thing. It's just that dolphins may be a little less shy to swim around ports with the reduction in boat traffic that's going to be good news for some cetaceans which is the group that includes dolphins and whales where they can sometimes have run-ins with boats and that's bad and it disrupts them but on the other hand so i want to talk about ways that the pandemic may actually adversely affect uh, one particular cetacean. So there is a little species of porpoise called the vaquita. You got to Google a vaquita because you got to see it. It's, yeah, they are adorable. They are so cute. They're really tiny. They're about four feet long. They have this emo black eyeshadow and they have a tiny, they, they look, they just look like a little baby dolphin they aren't a baby dolphin that's like the full grown adults are like four feet long and little and tiny but and they aren't a dolphin they're actually a porpoise but they are absolutely adorable and unfortunately they are critically endangered so they have a tiny habitat in the upper gulf of california so that's between baja california and mexico and it's estimated that there's only about like 10 to 20 individuals left so they are like on the brink of extinction due to fishing and animal trafficking. There's another endangered species that often gets fished called totoaba fish. And so the vaquitas actually often get caught in the nets intended for these fish and are collateral damage for this fishing. And, and that's been really devastating to their population. So I'm bringing this up because I want to show that painting this picture of the pandemic as something being unilaterally good for animals, like, okay, it's bad for people, but it's good for nature, is really simplistic and short-sighted because there's a marine conservation group that has a protective vessel called the Sea Shepherd, which patrols the area to protect the vaquita and it had to suspend its operations because of the pandemic. So normally they work with the Mexican government who gives them fuel to patrol the area and protect the vaquita. But because of the way the pandemic is affecting government structure and society in Mexico, the Mexican government can't keep supplying them with fuel right now. And it really demonstrates that it's it's too simplistic to say with the pandemic and with people having to stop doing things like this is going to be good for animals because there's also it's affecting everybody and that includes conservation groups. Yeah, I agree. I think the idea that like humanity is inherently bad to, you know, the rest of the world is a weird concept because obviously in order for the world to work the way it does, you know, humans have to be a part of the whole circle of life. And um, yeah, I mean, it, 
the pandemic has definitely made me more conscious of, um, you know, animals and climate change and everything. I always thought I was pretty conscious, you know, I recycle, I'm an animal lover, all of that, but seeing little things like the air clearing up or whatever has made me think like, how am I going to continue to make this a thing after the pandemic is over? I think that's a really good way to look at it. I think that's the healthiest, most productive way to view it. So it's instead of thinking, oh, without humans, like the world would be better off because, you know, we've we've been around for hundreds of thousands of years and we've shared the planet for hundreds of thousands of years. It's only relatively recently that we've had such a incredibly negative impact on the environment, you know, in in such a dramatic way. So if we can learn from this, like, hey, we could actually pull back on some of our more destructive habits and and learn from this in a constructive way rather than sort of this really misanthropic way of just blaming regular people like, oh, you know, regular people having their lives upended and being forced inside because of this pandemic and, you know, is like a good thing. I, I don't I don't think we need to be so misanthropic. I think we can be a lot more positive about it and view it as like, okay, you know, we see that we can actually have a dramatic change in terms of improving air quality and improving the environment. So that's a positive thing in a way, but it's not a zero-sum game. We can both have good lives as humans and also make changes to some of our habits to make the world better. So yeah, I, I really, really like your perspective, what you're taking away from it. So I, I do also want to talk about some more fun news, I think. So have you heard that goats are taking over a Welsh resort? I have seen like the video clips that people have been showing. I love goats. <laughs> yes, yes. So I am really happy to report that this news is absolutely true. And oh boy, this is going to be Okay, so I, I'm not really sure how to pronounce this Welsh word, so please, please forgive me, but it is, I think, Landudno, Landudno, Wales. Uh, it is a resort town, and mountain goats have taken it over. These are great orm cashmere goats. They are a species of mountain goat with big curly horns and long shaggy white fur and beards, and they have made themselves at home at this resort town. Have you seen the videos of them just like running amok? Yes. And there is honestly, I think like that's what my heaven looks like, if we're being honest. <laughs> like it just looks so free and cute and uh, I can't. It's wonderful. They have been eating hedges. They've been climbing buildings. So mountain goats are ridiculously good climbers. They can scale these really sheer cliff faces And so climbing a building is no problem for them. According to Andrew Stewart, who is a resident of this resort town, quote, they are very mischievous. They seem a bit wary of humans. They wouldn't go past me at one point and were very cautious. And he also said that there's not much that they can do about this goat takeover. He said, quote, they'll go back of their free will or when they get bored. So I love how the residents have just basically accepted the goat takeover. It's you know, what are you going to do? The, the town is belongs to the goats now. You really can't do anything with goats. I grew up on a farm in Kentucky and we had a couple of goats on the farm and they're kind of like giant cats where like they don't really care 
how you feel, what you want them to do. They're just, they're just there to do them and you just kind of have to deal with it. You have to abide the goats like you can't. They, they have their own agenda. On a recent episode, we talked about goat vocalizations and how they scream at us. And <laughs> there are just so many reasons that they'll scream at us. Like if they're jealous, you're feeding another goat, they'll scream at you. They are, they're, you know, they're a force of nature. No pun intended. <laughs> so what's interesting about these goats is er, they're not actually native to the area they were originally a gift from queen victoria and they are the the species of the goat the great orm cashmere goats are actually from northern india but these these goats that were a gift from the queen basically just like escaped and went feral and now their ancestors are these wild goats and now they've reclaimed the town and i love it so they you know, they escaped the town, they went out into nature. And now that people have to stay indoors, it's like, well, the town is ours now. It's goat times. It's like a bit of a British invasion. Um, <laughs> but that, that's such a strange gift, I feel like, too. Like, to, yeah, here's some goats. Here's some goats. I mean, you know, if I like if I was a lord, you know, and I had a lot of land, if someone gave me a bunch of goats, it'd be, I'd like it, you know, it'd yeah. be neat. They and then the goats would probably dominate me. And I would think, wow, the goat, I was a gift to the goats, not vice versa. <laughs> well, one thing that happened is that there, obviously schools are closing for people's safety, but in Oakland, wild turkeys took advantage of these school closures and just took over a school just started squatting there like inside the building or just like on the campus I think on the campus I don't know if they worked their way inside I mean they don't have hands so it's kind of hard that is very true to get on in there but I do I like the idea of I know this isn't okay guys this this isn't necessarily true but I'm imagining turkeys on a playground, just like on the swings, on the monkey bars, right. you know, playing around. I know that may not be true. It's it's my imagination palace. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to say that's what's happening. That's the visual that's going to get us through the day. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, they have the truth. The true part is that they are at the school and they have claimed the school for Turkey. It's now Turkey school. I love that. Yeah. I wonder what you like learn at turkey school. Do you, they make like hand humans? You know how like school yeah. children make hand turkeys. So like turkeys are going to make like hand humans or like foot humans, like trace their foot and then it's like a human. That would actually be really cute. But also yeah. like, kind of like <laughs> little slender man looking like if you think about what their little feet look like. Exactly. Yeah. Like just these poorly drawn humans cut out of construction paper in the shape of turkey feet. I imagine yeah, they I, don't have like home ec because like stoves probably really stress them out. Yeah, that's like that's that's not that's not cool. Like that that's not a cool thing in turkey cultures. Like no, you don't you don't bring up stoves. Come on. And math is just them like making graphs out of corn. I don't know. <laughs> turkey school. So the lack of tourism has also had a large impact on animals. In Lopuri, Thailand, monkeys have been losing it over the lack of tourism, and which also means a lack of food. So 
Long-tailed macaques have grown accustomed to humans feeding them at the Phra Prang Samyot Monkey Temple in Thailand, and they're going, sorry, no pun intended, uh, pun kind of intended, but they're going bananas, these macaques, and they have been in the streets of this city just rioting and brawling with each other in response to the lack of tourists feeding them. Have you seen that video? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and this is kind of terrifying. It is, isn't it? It's like a, it's a bit much. It's a little bit World War Z, isn't it? It, it? Like this big mob of angry monkeys rioting and losing it. And it, it kind of feels, it feels like a clip from like a movie about the apocalypse where it's like, and, and monkeys are now taking to the streets in an angry mob. Right. And and let me ask you a question. In this instance, is this a situation where like, are humans helping or are we hurting another species by making them so like reliant on us? That's a really good question. And it it's complex, right? So I would say it's really hard to say. So I would say making an animal completely reliant on humans feeding them is in general probably not a great thing for an animal population. So Sika deer are cute fluffy deer with reddish white spotted fur and these uh, kind of reddish rusty red antlers. And tourists and visitors to Nara Park in Japan can buy treats to feed the population of deer and take photos with them. So there are like thousands of deer in this park and you can get these little rice crackers and feed the deer. And some of the deer have learned to like bow for the treats and then you feed them the rice crackers. But obviously now with people uh, staying at home, uh, the deer have just started roaming outside of the park and into urban areas and are eating people's potted plants in search for food because they no longer have the visitors feeding them. So so they're trying to learn how to like fend for themselves. And so as of now, that means like kind of roaming into this territory that they don't usually go in and, and eating, eating people's shrubs. <laughs> I'm wondering like depending on how long it takes everything to kind of slowly... I don't want to say go back to normal, but like for people to really start to, you know, simulate back into some sort of normalcy, how animals like these deer are going to react? Like, are they going to be more inclined to kind of claim this new territory or if they're going to if they're going to back off? Typically, when it's a human versus an animal population, the animal population backs off, especially when it's a larger animal like a deer. So I, I would I would expect the deer to probably return to the park, but it, you know, it's it's hard it is hard to say like like maybe they will have to return to some self-sufficiency and maybe that's going to change their relationship with people like a significant portion of the population is going to move somewhere else to try to find resources elsewhere. But yeah, that, that's a really good question. I, I think this is going to have resounding effects on animal uh, animals and our, our relationship with them for a long time. And I think it's hard to say like what that's going to be. 
human-animal relationships are complex. Our absence isn't always good for the animals who have come to rely on us, at least in the short term. For example, ducks are in a bit of a pickle, given that their steady source of human treats have been cut off. But there's less obvious problems as well. Some species of birds who are nesting right now may choose accidentally bad locations for nests since human activity has changed so significantly. For example, a bird might make a nest in the tailpipe of a car or on a sidewalk only to have that nest destroyed when people return outside. On the other hand, the reduction in urban noise pollution might make it easier for birds to mate, as the airwaves will be clear for their beautiful calls of come get some of this. When we return, we'll talk about how animals and zoos are coping. And yes, some of them are going come get some of this. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We're going to discuss how animals in zoos are responding to the sudden absence of visitors, but first I want to talk about how the pandemic fits into the larger picture of conservation. I'm pretty sure most of y'all listening right now care about animals just because they're rad and awesome, as do I. But as you may be well aware of, caring about the environment is also necessary for human survival. A study from Stanford University has found that forest loss and human encroachment on animal habitats makes it much more likely that a virus will jump from animal to human. 
The more we are in direct physical contact and conflict with wild animals, the more likely there will be a case of viral transmission. And we'll talk about the case of a tiger with COVID to demonstrate that this is not a one-way street. But first, do animals miss us? So, Drew, you say you grew up on a farm? Yep, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. So moving from a farm environment to, like, uh, L.A., where there's not really that kind of scene here much, like, what what is that like? Like, do you miss having sort of that, um, I guess, that seeing animals on a daily basis like that? Or, or like, I guess I should ask, like, what, what it was like uh, on the farm, like, what kind of farm it was and, like, what your relationship was with the animals? Yeah, so the farm, like my family's like a couple of acres in particular, we didn't have a lot of big animals. We had um, more so like pigs and chickens and um, goats, you know, lots of dogs. We were pretty just like a, we're more like for, it was to enjoy rather than to harvest or anything like that. But the, the land surrounding us, a lot of those people had, you know, the bigger, the cows, the the horses and all that. And I definitely think moving to LA, there's um, the sound quality is very different because obviously mm. both are noisy, but would for different reasons. Here I hear cars all the time. There, you know, you heard clucking or mooing or <laughs> crickets. Um, yeah. <laughs> like whatever. Um, so the, the sound quality is different and the, the air quality is a lot different too. I do miss <laughs> fresh air. I feel like LA yeah. smog is very real. The reason I ask is I want to talk about like what's happening with zoos right now because for a lot of people zoos are one of the few ways that you can kind of connect with animals in a in a city. Um obviously issues about zoos are pretty complicated but I think there are a lot of zoos that are really do care about like animal welfare and take care of their animals well. Uh, I really like the San Diego Zoo. I think they do a, a good job with conservation and taking care of their animals and doing a lot of public ed- education. Um, and then, like, because there's also the flip side of, like, have you seen uh, Ti- Tiger King? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, there, there's definitely a flip side to zoos where it's, like, there's an ugly uh, underbelly of... Um, of zoos where it's very clearly not a good situation for the animals. It's a it's a f- interesting show, but very very horrifying what what's happening to these big cats. Um, so I think one thing we don't necessarily think about with zoos closing. Obviously, it's going to be different for people because where we we don't get to have this kind of cultural enrichment anymore. But the flip side of that is like, what what are animals up to in zoos right now without human visitors? And so obviously zoos have to keep running behind the scenes. You can't just like, just leave the zoo to run itself. Um, And this is an interesting experience, I'm sure, for caretakers at the zoo because they have to now worry about uh, COVID and trying to reduce their exposure to each other and and stay keep their social distance with each other but also they have to keep taking care of the animals and 
interestingly, so you'd think like, oh, like without humans there, the animals are just going to have like a total field day. But for some of the animals at the zoos, zookeepers are reporting that it's actually a weird change for them. So an employee at the Edinburgh Zoo in Scotland, Darren McGarry, says, quote, the chimpanzees start to wonder why there's nobody wandering around and they go to the window to look for people. We've got orangutans and chimpanzees and they do get used to people and the way you work around them, the routine that you have. And as soon as you start changing things, animals aren't particularly pleased about it. So at least some animals might actually kind of miss people visiting them, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I was going to say I have a, a, a good buddy of mine who works at the Louisville Zoo and um he was talking about on his Facebook about how strange it is, you know, not having anybody come visit these animals at the zoo because in a way these animals are almost like domesticated in the sense that like they kind of, they're used to interacting with humans, whether it's just through a glass or whatever. So it is kind of weird that like he was like, imagine, you know, just leaving your dog for a month and it not right. no one like interacting with it and no one playing with it. Like your dog would feel some type of way. That's how a lot of these animals are. And I thought that was a really interesting way to put it. Yeah, yeah, because one of the downsides of zoos is obviously providing the animals with enough enrichment. And it's something that a lot of zoos are really, they they struggle with, but they're really good at trying to get the animals as much enrichment as they can. But again, like people visiting animals can actually be a form of enrichment for them, especially for more intelligent animals like the great apes where they get to watch people. I mean, one of my favorite things to do at the San Diego Zoo is to go just kind of sit and chill out next to the gorillas and they watch you and they're interested in you. And it's, I think that's, you know, it, it's kind of one of these, it's such an interesting duality. Obviously, the the most optimal environment for an animal is going to be their natural habitat. But in a zoo environment, not having visitors can, and not having the same routine, like not having all the crew in terms of like everyone, all the zookeepers and the regular staff, like that, that is going to be difficult for a lot of the animals who, you know, rely on those interactions for enrichment. But yeah, that, that is, that is very interesting. Like, like I kind of, my point throughout this whole episode is like how, how complex our relationship is with animals and how it's not, you know, it, it's easy to say like, oh, like with with people not going to zoos, like, you know, the animals are going to be better off somehow. Like, and, and that's not necessarily true. Um, but in, in one case, in a very kind of funny way, uh, there are a couple of animals who may be enjoying their privacy. So have you heard about the pandas that have finally had a chance to get it on because they have some privacy from human visitors. I just saw the video of it on Twitter and I was like, why is there a video of pandas mating on my timeline? It's a rare occurrence. It's a, it's a, it's like seeing Haley's comment. It's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, rare occurrence in nature and we must watch it. It's totally not weird and perverted. <laughs> I think we could all, I think humankind could take a note from pandas about being a little more careful with our PDA. <laughs> well, so it's, it's an interesting thing. So at the Ocean Park Zoo in Hong Kong, the zoo's pandas, uh, Yingyi and Lili, uh, successfully mated after trying for 10 years. 
So pandas are notoriously bad at mating, especially in captivity. So the reason for this is that females are only receptive a few days every year to mating. So they, they only go in estrus like, I think like some ridiculous, less than a week. And it only happens like once a year. And so males really only have this one chance. And then males can be kind of bad at the reading the signals that the females are giving off, like the scent and the body language that they're actually in estrus and can can successfully mate at that time. So sometimes the males just don't even realize it's happening or they misread a sign and they try to mate like when the female isn't receptive and the female is not going to be happy about that. So in the wild, even though it's still kind of tricky, they because there are larger groups of pandas, mating is a lot easier. So females are able to have their pick of males. And obviously this also it has an implications for like as panda populations decrease it makes it even more difficult to keep the populations up because like the more choice of mates you have like the more likely panda mating is is going to happen because apparently pandas are really picky so pandas only want to mate with another panda if they're attracted to that panda who who would have thunk <laughs> i think i think i could take a lot of notes from uh female pandas <laughs> they, they have high standards <laughs> <laughs> i i think it is funny because maybe there's sometimes a conception that animals will just like mate with whatever they they don't they aren't very fussy about it like they they aren't choosy or selective but in fact uh, a lot of animals are very selective about who they mate with and it, it can have to do with like quote unquote attraction like especially birds like birds will make their choices in mates depending on whether they find them aesthetically pleasing so i i think that sometimes animals are a lot more similar to us in this way than we may suspect like they can be choosy too they look female pandas have standards all right like they're, they're not just gonna you know do their I, I don't know what what would it be like bamboo and chill with like <laughs> any any old guy <laughs> it is comforting to know that um males of any species like can't catch a hint about when right when we're into it <laughs> right exactly yeah we we share that experience with the pandas definitely bonding with a panda on a whole new level that i wasn't <laughs> wasn't prepared for exactly yeah but so so obviously mating is difficult for pandas in captivity because imagine like you're abducted by aliens you're dropped on an alien planet with like one other dude like it's not it's not like you got to get to know each other you know you have to have some chemistry you can't just like you're not just gonna be like all right let's have a baby like right now yeah I actually didn't even think about that like you're basically just making an arranged marriage for these animals <laughs> it's, it would be like if I yeah. got dropped on a planet with like Danny DeVito like I wouldn't be super excited about that <laughs> I well speak for yourself I'd be over the moon I, I, I love a Danny DeVito yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what's interesting is yeah it's, these pandas have been trying to mate sort of awkwardly for about 10 years and they have finally had a successful uh au natural mating so like not not artificial insemination or anything um, where where they yeah they they made it just the good old natural old fashioned style <laughs> if you know what I mean and 
it, it makes me wonder if like the lack of stress that comes from a lot of visitors, maybe that made it like easier for them to focus on each other or to relax and be able to mate. It's hard to say. We don't know if that's the case, but it certainly could be. I mean, on the other hand, it is panda mating season between March and May. So happy panda mating season, Drew. Are you having a good panda mating season? season. Gather around the panda mating tree, uh, (laughs) string up the panda mating lights. But yeah, it's panda mating season. And the pandas started flirting back in March. Um, Apparently, Lele left some scent markings and started smelling yinging, um, which I I think is very romantic. It's interesting. Like, I can't confidently say, like, yeah, the the pandas started humping as soon as we turned our backs on them because they just wanted some privacy. But it it does seem to be that maybe maybe there is some effect, like maybe the, the quietness and the solitude like was a helped helped set the mood for them, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe like not having people constantly trying to interact with them and get their attention kind of they're like, well, we're here. We might as well yeah. get to it. Yeah, maybe it's like so much stimulation from like watching people all day like without that they have to look at each other and make eye contact and have conversations, you know? Like those difficult conversations they've been putting off about like family planning and stuff. Like now they finally have to have those. Yeah. Maybe they agreed on a name finally. And now they're ready to start a family. Yeah. Well, hope. yeah, hopefully a baby panda has been conceived. We, you know, we don't know yet. Like it takes a while for pandas to show signs of pregnancy, I think. So we won't know for a while. But fingers crossed. Yeah, I, I would love to. Baby pandas are like the cutest thing in the world. So I hope they. When they first come out, though, they look like a weird pink naked mole rat. Yeah, they look <laughs> terrifying. But they look like little aliens. But don't most babies. I, I never think babies are yeah. super cute when they're fresh out of the mom. Like human, <laughs> human, human or panda. So. When, they, when they're fr- fresh, hot out of the mom. Hot just of like, the mom. They tend to know. look like little worms. But, but like give them a month or two and they start to get cute yeah i mean like it's funny because i think newborn babies are cute but i think they're cute of every species so even the weird bird babies that come out looking like like odd alien worm things like i think those are cute so i'm at least consistent with what i think is cute <laughs> So I do want to talk about, you may have heard this, the tiger who tested positive for COVID. Yes, that is so crazy. Yeah. So this is actually true as far as I can tell. Nadia the tiger at the Bronx Zoo tested positive for COVID, which is of great note for a number of reasons. Um, So COVID, we already know it's zoonotic, meaning it can jump from animals to humans And apparently now it has jumped from at least one human to a tiger. Uh, Zookeepers suspect that one of the zookeepers was asymptomatic and transmitted the virus to Nadia the tiger. She is the first confirmed case of feline COVID. She was tested after she exhibited signs of a dry cough. And there are other big cats at the zoo that also seemed to be getting sick, although they haven't received a test. So like to give the test to the tiger, they have to sedate it and it's a big process. And so like basically the risks now outweigh the benefits of testing the other big cats. They're just assuming that 
cats that show the same symptoms are probably sick with COVID. I don't want to underplay the fact that this is alarming, but I also don't want people to like really panic. It's a it's concerning, but it's not. So here's some of the concerns that I want to address first is like, and I know this is mostly a joke and it's, but it, it people are saying like, wait, why is a tiger getting a test ahead of like humans? So uh, apparently the tests given to tigers are, it's a feline test. So it's completely different from the test given to humans. So it's not like the tigers are getting human tests. So don't worry about that. Another concern people have is, you know, like like yourself, you have a cat and a lot of people have cats who are worried that they are going to either uh, give COVID to their cats or get COVID from their cats. Like, has that been a concern of yours or have you thought about that? I've thought about when it was going around that cats could get COVID. I had a few friends who are cat haters who were like, see, that's why you should get rid oh. of your cat because she's going to give you coronavirus. But I, I wasn't too worried about us because we've really been locked up. But I more so thought about how much healthier my cat probably is than I am. Because, like, I'm, <laughs> I make sure she eats super healthy food and she's really active. <laughs> she can't, you know, go to the bar on a Saturday night and end up at a Taco Bell. Like, I imagine <laughs> her immune system is a lot stronger than mine. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm glad you're not I'm glad you're not panicking and and you shouldn't you shouldn't panic nor should other cat owners. So, I it is it, I understand the concern and and I think it's a legitimate concern whenever there's a virus that can jump from animals to people or people to animals. That's very concerning. But right now there's no evidence suggesting that humans infect house cats regularly like it's not something that happens very often. And there's nothing yet to suggest that the virus can then jump from the cat to the humans. So that I, I don't think there's any been any documented cases of that. Michael Sanfilippo, who is a spokesman for the American Veterinary Medicine Association, says, quote, This is almost exclusively a human-to-human transmitted disease. The risk to pets is very low, with only a handful of cases of the virus appearing in companion animals and no cases of people getting sick from their pets. So, it, you know, it, it's it's concerning, but please don't, like, give your cat, like, a, a ticket to uh, Antarctica and just say, like, well, see ya, we gotta, we gotta socially distance. Could never, could never do that. No. No, I, I, I know. Most, most cat owners I know are, like, ride or die with their cats, so it's, uh... Uh, but yeah, no. So it's uh, yeah, it, it's not not something to, I think, lose sleep over. It's just you know you can maybe like practice the same kinds of practices you do with other people. So like you know you you're quarantined with your cat, and like you know if you're if you interact with a cat like outside of the home or something like a, a neighbor's cat or something, just like wash your hands before and after touching right. another cat, things like that, just just stuff like that. But, you know, I, I really wish that, <laughs> I mean, I, I have a dog and I kind of want to get a cat, but I can't tell if this is just sort of like quarantine brain going on right now, or it's like, I must I must acquire a cat. So I have to steal myself and, and really think through this decision <laughs> about whether I'm just going a little a little cabin fever or cat cat fever, cat cabin fever. Cat cabin fever. I like that. 
So how does a virus jump from an animal to a human? Viruses infect their host by using surface proteins to attach to the surface receptors on a cell. Think of a key that opens a door. You know how corona looks like a spiky mace or like a koosh ball? Those spikes are the surface proteins used to bind to surface receptors on host cells. Once they've unlocked the cells, so to speak, they're able to enter the cell and hijack the cell's reproductive system to replicate their own DNA, infecting more cells and causing big problems for our bodies. So if a virus is specialized for an animal, it doesn't necessarily have the right surface proteins to bind to human cells. But when a virus mutates, especially if it originates from an animal not too far from us on the evolutionary tree, it has a small chance to become equipped to attach to and invade human cells. Usually, mutations are harmful for viruses, but because they replicate so rapidly, occasionally luck will favor the virus and it develops just the right proteins to fit with our human cells. And because our immune systems haven't had a history of dealing with a disease that usually affects another animal, it can be particularly difficult to fight off. But enough of this virus talk. When we return, we'll talk about some kittens that have infected our hearts. I mean, not, okay, not literally, it's okay, I don't have a case of heart kittens, as far as I know, although there has been some mysterious meowing recently. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Are pets good for your health? 
Obviously, it depends on a lot of factors, like if you have allergies or what you consider to be a pet. For instance, if you think an alligator is a pet, that's going to be pretty bad for your health. But for the most part, owning a pet has a whole bunch of benefits. According to the CDC, owning a pet seems to be correlated with lower blood pressure, cholesterol, and triglyceride levels. Dog owners in particular seem to see a drop in cholesterol, although it's not clear what's causing this as factors such as BMI and diet were controlled for. Maybe dogs are secretly feeding us cholesterol-lowering food when we're not looking. So we were just talking about the concerns that pet owners might have, but I have some really, really good news, which is that animals are getting adopted at really high rates all over the country. Have you heard about this? It's so funny that you're talking about because my roommate and I were literally, she wants a dog so bad and she was talking about getting a dog. And I was like, I think it's because you're bored. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, it's not just your roommate. Like a lot of people are are thinking about doing this. So like shelters all over the country are being cleared out of animals because of all of the adoptions. So people are adopting and rescuing animals who would otherwise be waiting around or in some cases being put to sleep. So it's it's great, great news like right now that, that this is happening in a lot of shelters. So yeah, it's I think obviously like the the one of the big reasons is people want companionship while you're stuck at home. But I think it could also be like because people are able to work from home, you we have kind of the flexibility to adopt an animal. Oh, oh one one cool thing, like if you're thinking about adopting an animal, but you're kind of worried about like having to go to a shelter, a lot of shelters are doing curbside service to keep people safe while still doing adoptions. I I love the idea of like pet drive through. Like Yeah. <laughs> My mom actually um is a she's a foster like pet owner for a Suncoast uh animal shelter in Florida. And oh, really cool. She, she so she'll foster, you know, like um a bunch of puppies and their mom or, you know, whatever Aww. it may be. And she was talking about how weird it's been since the pandemic because She's like, I feel like I'm doing a drug deal, but like for puppies, <laughs> you know, they, they have to put them on these long leashes and they have to let the dog walk all the way over and then they can let go of the leash once it's made it to the new owner. She's like, it's very strange. <laughs> My only concern would be like, I just don't want the pandemic to end. And then a bunch of people will be like, oh, I actually don't have time to take care of these. Yeah. And then they end up back in a shelter. Like. I kind of get nervous about that, but I'm hoping for the most part that's not an issue. I had that same thought and that same concern. I'm hoping, I think I'm kind of optimistic because I think that a lot of people who are adopting, it may not just be like an impulse kind of thing. It may be like they've been thinking about it for a long time and they've been kind of wanting to do it, but it's that hesitation where you're like, well, I'm not sure, you know, and I don't have time right now and maybe I shouldn't. And then maybe this has just been like, it's almost like maybe the anxieties around it and this feeling of like, oh man, you know, I only, you know, I only live once and I really want to have a pet and, you know, I, I should do that now. And yeah. I, I, I need someone right now. So I have that concern too. And I think people like, if you're thinking about adopting, really do think about, what it'll be like after self-isolation 
uh, ends and like if you'll still be able to accommodate the animal into your lifestyle and, and give it give it a lot of thought. But yeah, I, I, I do think a lot of it could just be like people have thought about it a while. It's I keep thinking about getting cat, but I, I'm really thinking hard about like, OK, how is that going to change my lifestyle and do I have the capacity for it? And will Cookie, my dog, like lose it and, and hate me forever? <laughs> I mean, now is the perfect time to potty train if that's like something people were worried about when getting a dog because it's like you're stuck at right. home. You might as well. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. But in some really, really good news, heartwarming news with no caveats is kittens visiting an aquarium. Are you ready for this? I, I don't know if my heart is, but I'm, I'm going to go for it. Prepare yourself because the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta, Georgia is obviously close to the public, but they have paired up with the local Atlanta Humane Society to give little baby kittens a visit to the aquarium to see all the fishies. <laughs> so the kittens are named Nemo, Guppy, Marlin, Bubbles, and Dory. Uh, I think that's very obviously from Finding Nemo. Loving the and food. They have visited the aquarium and they got to play with the fish and the jellyfish. So you can see a video of this. I'm obviously going to include links to all of this in the show notes. But there is a video of one of the aquarium staff members who got on his scuba gear either to do some tank maintenance or maybe just for fun. I don't know. And he was playing with the kittens from behind the glass, just like swimming around with the fish, tapping on the glass. And the kittens were losing, losing it, going nuts. It's just it's just wonderful that I feel like we we need more videos like this during this time because it's like it's just how can you get upset with this video I mean it's literally the cutest thing I've ever seen it totally melted me I am a puddle right now talking to you I'm sort of a puddle with like a mouth flopping around on account of this video but yeah, so it's not just a fun day for the kittens. I think it was done to raise awareness that you can still adopt animals and that shelters have to keep doing their, their important work that they do. Uh, another story I saw is the claim that right now they are letting elephants wander around the zoo and visit other animals. So I, I did some digging and this is not, fortunately, I don't have to completely debunk this, but it's not that right this isn't a new thing so there's a photo of this little baby elephant like high-fiving a sea lion and this actually happened in 2017 at the Oregon Zoo so occasionally zoos will take uh, animals who can walk around the zoo like just to, for a walk around for enrichment and the photo of the baby elephant is at the Oregon Zoo and it's part of her routine morning walk around the zoo. And this was, yeah, back in 2017. And the baby elephant's name is Chindra and the sea lion's name is Gus. And they are indeed high-fiving. So I guess I bring this up to say that like some of the news stories about like, oh, you know, zoos are, are doing this new thing where they take animals on walks around the zoo and like have animals visit each other. It's like, no, that, that that's happened before. It's not it's not all just like in response to the pandemic, but they're definitely doing it more now, I think, because the zoos are closed and, you know, they've got to figure out a way to do enrichment for the animals. Yeah, I'm glad there's some type of interaction happening for the animals. It makes me feel like I went into the wrong like career field, though, because the idea <laughs> of being the person who leads an elephant around the zoo to hang out with other animals is <laughs> not like a dream. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh I'm I'm sure it's it's a, it's something like, you know, that you can uh feel like you're still giving animals some social interaction right now. So I want to in the show talking about I think probably a lot of people have heard about this and this is wonderful. So penguins are taking over aquariums because the uh, staff members of the aquariums are allowing penguins just to wander around and look at all the fish. So the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago is closed to the public. So penguins have been given free reign over the aquarium. So these are chinstrap and rockhopper penguins. So those chinstrap penguins are the little black and white ones. Um, and rockhoppers are the little guys that have the little yellow like feathers coming out the sides of their heads. And they are rather small little penguins and very, very curious little guys. And they can be seen in videos roaming around the aquarium, visiting all the other exhibits. So like I mentioned earlier with the elephant story, this isn't a new thing. So they, they often allow penguins out of the exhibit to kind of wander around, give them some enrichment. But right now, because the aquariums are close to the public, basically it's penguins time, like 100% of the time they get to go and visit as many exhibits as they want, wherever they want. Like with supervision, but they basically they have a free all day pass to the aquarium to do whatever they want to do. And so not only is, is this obviously great for the penguins, it, it's so funny to see too. Like there's they, they'll like go up to a jellyfish tank and a staff member will pick up a penguin so he gets a better view of all the jellyfish. It is adorable. And it also gives the other animals something to look at. So like animals that you can't take on a walk around the aquarium. So like a beluga, then they let the beluga see the penguins and the penguins see the beluga. And it's a fascinating thing for both animals because obviously, so penguins and belugas do not share a natural habitat. They would never come across each other in in nature but in the aquarium setting they get to visit each other and it's really it's like they are very fascinated by each other yeah i kind of love that idea of these animals getting to see each other like and wondering what they must be going through their heads you know like a a, a beluga whale seeing a penguin like obviously like you said that they're never going to really cross paths in the real world or like in the wildlife so it's it's interesting i I don't know. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> that's just so crazy. It makes you wish you knew what they were thinking. Yeah, because I know belugas often are very interactive. Like when you come across them at a zoo or an aquarium, they're very curious. They're they're very intelligent, very social uh, cetaceans, which are the, the what whales and, and dolphins are. And, and they are able to rotate their heads so they can get a real good view of you. And so they will follow people around and they're very interested in what you're doing. So I imagine like without visitors, they're going to need extra enrichment in order to keep them entertained because they are so intelligent. Uh, I do wonder, though, when they see like little tiny, these little tiny bite sized penguins, if part of them are like, I want to eat that penguin. Right. It reminds me of like there is a video. I feel like that went viral like maybe a year or so ago where like there was this chimpanzee that was being taken care of and like the zookeeper let a dog in there and like the dog and the chimpanzee like bonded and it was just no. like, this 
thing ever because it's like obviously they're not really gonna link up in you know the wild but like what a cute pair that you didn't even think about yeah yeah i mean animals can form so many relationships in uh kind of man manipulated environments that they never would have in nature like cheetahs and dogs are often kept together at zoos because cheetahs are very shy animals very anxious and to have a dog with them like makes them feel a little better but obviously a like a golden retriever and a cheetah in the wild would not run into each other but it, they actually are very compatible at uh in an artificial environment Obviously, I'll include a link to this video, but like just seeing penguins just kind of like wander around the aquarium looking at stuff like they take to it so well. They look so at home doing this. I, I, I feel like we've kind of opened a Pandora's box now. Yeah. And these penguins are going to be like, uh, this is life now. We own the aquarium. Yo, you guys are going to have to figure something else out because <laughs> this is our aquarium now. <laughs> Right, it's going to be hard for them to go back to regular aquarium life. Yeah, they're just like, no, penguins are the new people now. Like, <laughs> we got the memo. Like, we run the place now. It's us now. Like, business, business, business. People stuff, cars, hats, clothing. It's us. We're, we're the people now. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today, Drew. Uh, do you have anything to plug before we go? Yeah, um, I do a lot of, if you're interested in comic books, I do a lot of uh, comic book-based after shows over at AfterBuzz TV. I have all the links to the different shows on my social media, which is OKDrewJ. Okay and thanks for having me. I feel like I learned so much about animals today. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me. And you can find us on the internet at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram, at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F E A T, not F E E T. That's something very different. If you're interested in my Katie thoughts, I am at Katie Golden on Twitter. And of course, as always, I am the human participant in the Twitter known as Pro Bird Rights. Um, I cannot confirm whether. It is a bird controlling me, holding me hostage, making me do the tweets. But that that's all it's just rumor, slander, and, and libel. If you want to subscribe to the show, download, leave me a rating or a review, that actually really helps a lot. And I think I have sort of a like sense, a, a Katie Spidey sense for when you hit the five stars like it goes off in my brain i'm like someone liked the show and it makes me so happy so thank you so much guys for listening thanks to the space cossacks for their super awesome song exolumina creature features a production of iHeartRadio. to listen to more podcasts like the one you just heard visit iheartradio.com apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows see you next wednesday this episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. 
It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.